Have you ever considered the weight of responsibility that comes with leadership? Do you ever struggle with questions like, are we really doing the right thing here? We wonder that also. And that's why Ken and I are digging into that very subject this week. Welcome to Leaders Moment, brought to you by Vision Voice and FX Missions Podcasting. We encourage you to take this moment and use it to sharpen the saw of your leadership perspective and performance. We're bringing you interviews, stories, and more from leaders much like yourself who are taking action, learning, realizing potential, and getting results. Welcome and thanks for being here. Ken Brooks is joining us again, and we're going to dig into some leadership principles and also raise a few questions for you to consider. And here they are. Have you ever considered that focusing on outcomes rather than formation, discipline, and relationships might actually lead us further away from where we want to go? Number two, how critical is it for you as a leader to ensure that you're focused not be such that it leads others to misunderstand the proper priority of things. Just two simple questions, right? (laughs) Not actually simple, but super meaningful. Scott McClelland here for FX Missions Podcasting. Thankful again to be joined with Ken Brooks. Ken Brooks. Hi, Scott. Hey, man. Hello, podcast world. Yes, we're happy to be here with you today. We're going to do something I think a little bit interesting. Maybe we hope at least a little bit interesting. If you drop out at 10 minutes, shoot me an email and say what a disappointment that really was. They're not going to drop out at 10 minutes. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Thank you for that. I know I'll just compliment you on that T-shirt. I still like it. I got to get one. I don't know if they make it in, you know, triple XL, but I'm going to try to find out if I can get one of those killers t-shirts. Ken. The killers. The killers. Dust and fairy tale beginning. Yes. Yeah. There's a duet with him and Bruce Springsteen on one. On Dustland fairy tale? Yes, sir. Bruce sounds really old, but it's still the boss. So what are you going to do? <laughs> I'm saying, man, I was unfamiliar with that rendition. Mm-hmm. Come on. I'm looking it up, right? I'm going to resist the temptation to do it in our time together. The boss and the non-boss doing, yeah, Dustland Fairy Tale. Recommend it highly. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a pensive little ditty. Thanks for being here again, Ken. We're going to break it down a little here. Specifically, we're going to talk about the first book in the anthology series that was written by myself. And we're going to kind of, you know, dig around a little bit, see if we can find something there that might be helpful for folks. I appreciate you taking a look, of course, reading the book and looking into it as to what you found interesting. I'm trying to approach this with a blank slate. Of course, I wrote the content, but it's been some years ago since some of this stuff was written. I sound like a young man, and that's how I know (laughs) it was a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) you're kind to refrain from always a young man (laughs) don't tell yourself any different 
hey, I'm young when it's compared to time infinite. So, hey, right. you know, there you right. go. I feel very young compared to that. Yeah, well, thanks for taking a look to freshen up. Just so everyone knows, we're talking about anthologies from the forefront, volume one, which is about leadership and missions. Mm -hmm. And I traveled somewhat extensively, at least from the little small town that I'm from. I got a, made a big lap for about 20 years. I was traveling pretty routinely in short-term work, still do some, but this is basically lessons learned from the road. They say that, you know, if you want to remain ignorant, stay at home. Yeah. <laughs> That'll do it. So I was not able to remain ignorant because I left home and went out into the wide world. You'll think um, you're smart, though, right? <laughs> There's you no better way to feel smart. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you can be as smart as you want to, as long as there's nothing to compare it to, you know, you right. can just, and that's a, that's an interesting thing too. You can insulate yourself in your own wisdom or whatever it is. Hopefully we're not doing that. We're going to talk about some of the stuff that stuck out to you and we'll probably get into the reasons behind some of these things were written and maybe even get to the depth of my understanding. I hope we do. <laughs> it might not be take as long to get there. I think you had something picked out there we were going to start with. Sure. Yeah, I do. First, I just want to say that, it, you know, having been on several trips with you, I feel better about talking about this because it's not like Scott wrote this book and he's just borrowed a lot of information or wisdom from other guys. But I've seen you put this to practice. And so it hits me on a totally different level than just reading from some stranger. Mm. So there's that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, the hardest thing to learn is what you think you already know. Mm. <laughs> and I, I definitely, a lot of what I learned, especially what stuff that's in this first book is that, you know, you're confronted with something you thought you understood and you did, you know, you maybe you understood it at a shallow level or at a, at some mm -hmm. level, but there was more to know or more to understand that kind of came on out of, you know, like an overhand right that was unforeseen. You know, I mean, a lot of my learning that is recorded in this book had a lot to do with personal pain. I don't mean injury necessarily, but just discomfort. Mm hmm one of the things that struck me the first time that we went on a missions trip, I believe it was Nicaragua, was that when you met the people there, not only were you not meeting them for the first time, but you guys already had a real depth of relationship. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought that was unusual for a short-term missions person. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's one thing if you've been there before and you're like happy to see each other again, but you guys had like a... I don't know. The relationship was deeper than having just been there once or had just having been there mm -hmm. twice, but yeah. the connections were ongoing and I, I appreciated mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That yeah. Cool. Yeah. One of the things you say in your, in your book, you say leaders define reality for and guide the values of those they lead. That struck me because I feel like my reality was redefined over and over again. But as you write this, what comes to mind? What were you thinking? 
I think it was an observation, not necessarily something that I thought, hey, you know what? I'm going to be a leader, so I'm going to try to do that. I'm going to try to define reality, and I'm going to try to guide values for someone who's listening to me. I don't think that was necessarily a welcome idea to me. You know, when I when I was first thinking about it, I was like, uh, really? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, like the scriptures say, who is it who is equal to such a task? Mm. That imposes a ton of responsibility in my mind. I think the way I observe this is that you as a person, as an individual, as someone who's learning, as someone who's growing, you're listening to different individuals. I think about Joe Rogan, right? Joe mm -hmm. Rogan is, there's a lot of people listening to Joe. I have never listened to a Joe Rogan podcast, I don't think. I saw him on UFC a couple of times. But, uh, I mean, I know who he is, and I know there's a ton of people who listen to him. So sure. how Joe Rogan defines reality for the people who listen to him is that he, as we all are, is limited in terms of things he can focus on. So he's focusing on certain things. Elk meat, from what I understand, is very healthy yeah. and, you know, should be a part of everyone's diet. Now, I did pick that up in the, in the passing somewhere. But, you know, there you go. That's an example of what I'm saying. Joe Rogan has told a million people, you know, several times a week that elk meat is really important for your diet. So he is in some way guiding their values, potentially. Maybe they listen to him for other things. But as a leader, whatever you focus on and whatever you consider important is what you talk about and what the people who are influenced by you are going to be drawn to. They're going to be drawn to, hey, that's really important. You know, it's important to fill in the blank, whatever you feel strongly about, you can't help but talk about, and whatever it is that you're talking about is going to grab the attention of people who think you have something worth listening to. That's how I mean defining reality is that they cause you to focus or to give attention to whatever it is they're focusing on or giving attention to. Does that unpack it a little bit? Does that make sense? Sure, sure. Yeah, I have uh, two questions that spawn off of your response there. Okay. Number one, do you currently eat elk meat? <laughs> I would love to have some elk meat right now. I haven't found a way to sustainably source. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Please, if you're listening and you want to send me some elk, send me an email. I'll give you an address. I wish I was more, yeah. but not that Joe had anything to do with it. I've eaten elk a couple of times. Yeah. That's what one meal or. Can't argue with you there. What would you say that your focus is when, you know, you have a, a team with you or people that you're sitting in front of? What are you finding yourself hitting at again and again? Mm, man, good question. I think that is going to, it varies, you know. Mm -hmm. One of my, life focuses is to be an encouragement, you know, to men, for instance, specifically, you know, encouraging guys to be men, mm -hmm. masculine men, to be proactive in their faith and their relationship 
and interaction with Jesus and uh, in their families and also in their personal mission. You know, what is it that God's given me to do? You know, how can I step out in obedience and make some progress on the journey that God's put before me? So those are things that I focus on, I think, routinely. And then I think it might also vary mm-hmm. by some degree of inspiration. Like with the Bro Summit stuff that we do, we've been doing a long time. All of those Bro Summit things, for me at least, they seem to have a signature of their own. This is kind of what the Lord was doing, you know, in those times. And for me, I I sure pray that we are sensitive to be led. So part of that is stuff that I just feel is valuable and other stuff that I'm trying to make sure that I'm sensitive to. Mm -hmm. So hopefully it's both of those. Right. It seems like encouragement is a thread that runs through each of those, even though they are unique in themselves. Am I, am I right? Yeah, for sure. I'm, I mean, that's my prayer for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, when the Lord spoke to me initially about the, about bro summit, I, I was in a very encouraging environment around a bunch of other men. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this feels pretty good. You know, I'm liking this right now. Yeah, This is helping me, you know, this is strengthening me spiritually. And so it was in that environment that I, I guess that was birthed. You know, they say, however, something's birth is going to affect its trajectory and and where it ends up, you know? So yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. I think so. So you talk a lot about leadership in, in your book and you've, you've been a leader for quite some time. So a lot of the, so you, you have an encouragement to other people who are looking at leadership or are currently in leadership. And this quote caught me. You said, it's just because we can see what is happening more clearly than others doesn't mean that we understand it more clearly or that we can accurately interpret it. Mm. Have you seen that misused in the past or were you, were you finding yourself in a situation where you were like, Oh, I thought I knew something that it, but in uh, hindsight, I really did not. Right. I don't know the actual chapter where that came from, but I will say that, you know, leaders and people who are developing leadership capacity, you know, those are typically perceptive people. You know, those are people who see something that other people don't see, that right. they, they have maybe a quality of discernment about their lives, you know, to draw meaning out of things that are, in some ways, maybe overlooked, ignored, or not visible to other people. Mm. I remember early on having conversations with people about being led by God and trying to determine God's will. People are trying to determine God's will, and they're trying to be led by God. I realized that in some of the interactions that I was having, it seemed to me that folks were misinterpreting what it was that they were hearing. Okay. And how do we judge that? You know, who am I to judge that? I mean, I I think we only have the criteria that Jesus gave us, you know, everything can be known by the fruit it produces. Sure. So if God told you to do something and it produced an outcome that wasn't like worthy of honoring him, <laughs> you know, you got to come to a point where you like, yeah, you know, 
I'm a little nervous to, you know, you got to come to a point of honesty and evaluate that. Obviously, we all all are weak in many ways, and, and we stumble, as the Bible tells us, but we have to come back to some kind of assessment. Is this, did I hear God? You know, was that Lord the Lord leading me? Did I act outside of his leadership somehow, or was it something else that was going on? Mm-hmm. One time I had a close friend who gave me a word. We all, you know, most people who are listening to this are going to really understand what I mean when I say given a word. This guy really, he's dressed me down about my insensitivity to something that was occurring to him. And he said, you know, you're missing God on this. Blah, 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 blah. So I took it for face value. I said, yeah, you know what? You're right. So I doubled down on the stuff that he was trying to get me to hear and listen to, but it ended up being a false word to me. Mm. And it caused me to commit to something that God was actually trying to lead me out of. And he misinterpreted what was going on. Yeah. The Lord was leading me this way. And he said, you know, you shouldn't, you should keep doing this and do it in a different way. When the Lord was actually trying to lead me away from the thing that I was doing. Mm -hmm. But, I think he was under false inspiration. It took me years. What I'm saying right now is not something I, I deduced in a, in my first time that I had quiet time to think about what he said. I'm talking about probably a decade before I realized, man, <laughs> that was bad. Yeah. yeah. I may have gotten a long way from your original question, but I think we have to be discerning. We have to realize and take personal responsibility for the things that we feel impressed by or whatever. And we have to be careful with those impressions. A lot of times I know that people are sensing something spiritual going on Mm -hmm. and they think that it's, they equate that, that it's God moving. Mm. Everything spiritual isn't holy. I wrote something on that not too long ago. Everything spiritual isn't holy. And I think we have to grow in our discernment like the Bible tells us to, you know. Mm-hmm. We grow in our discernment. We have our senses exercised, you know. Mm-hmm. We practice our discernment. Yeah. So that we're able to to separate what's good and evil even in a spiritual sense, you know. Mm-hmm. What spiritual activity is good? And is coming from God and what spiritual activity is false. Yeah. What do you think could have been done different in that situation? I mean, you say we need to discern it in things like that, but this guy or this individual, he's, he's feeling this thing or he's sensing this thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably in his mind, he's discerning, but is there something yeah. lacking? What, what should have happened in that situation? I think I should have been more sensitive myself. I can't speak for him per se. Yeah. Okay. This guy was doing this with the best of intentions. Uh, yes. He was not trying to manipulate me. Right. He was not trying to get influence over my life that he didn't deserve. Mm-hmm. Good friend in a trusting relationship. So I, I, I for sure know that it was, for me, it was an honest mistake. Mm-hmm. In my case, I think I should have been more discerning. Okay. I had already taken some steps that set the stage. I was already kind of on a false trajectory, right? Right. Myself. And so what his false word, it just 
reinforced a trajectory that I was already on that was wrong. So the initial mistakes were mine. You know, if I had been more sensitive to what the Lord was telling me in that season, I would have been, we wouldn't probably wouldn't have had that conversation. But this was one of those little milestones along the road that tell you you're on the right road, except for you're actually on the wrong road. <laughs> so you put it as confirmation to what you were already thinking. Yeah, it was confirming something that I should have resisted. Okay. Which made me double down. You know, I doubled down into it and said, yeah, that's for sure God's will. I need to do that. Cue explosive sounds and tumult. It was mostly my bad, I can assure you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, man. You have a quote from Mike Breen. I don't know Mike Breen. Okay. I'm guessing you do. If we make disciples, we always get the church. But if we try to build the church, we rarely get disciples. I mean, are, are you against church building, Scott, or what's happening here? Yeah, I think Mike was perceiving something for sure. Uh -huh. I don't know Mike Breen, but I have read some of his stuff. And he, okay. he's, uh, yeah, you can know more about him. And there's some stuff out there. He's kind of a part of a stream of guys that I think say a lot of the things similar to that. Okay. I guess I am against church building. Okay. Now that you're scaring me out into the light. <laughs> and when we talk about church building, what comes to your mind? Well, the what I'm against that I'm trying to speak to is what he's saying. The phenomenon that he's describing there, mm -hmm. I'm against that, right? Yeah. Jesus has a church, right? There's a body of Christ. Yeah. There is a body of Christ, right? I mean, we we got to know that, right? And whoever destroys the body is going to be in trouble with the head. That's for sure. So mm -hmm. I'm certainly not in favor of hurting the body or doing anything that would damage the bride of Christ. But a lot of what we got today is what Mike is, I think, calling out is not church growth or church building based on discipleship. Mm. You know, it's programmatic. Mm -hmm. Are all programs wrong? I don't know. You know, I don't, I, that's not what I'm trying to say. I don't know. But it's a problem that we get bigger and bigger attendance roles, you know, and shallower and shallower believers. Mm. And it self-perpetuates. I think we can do better on that. I, I think if we make disciples, you know, I mean, it's there, the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, you know, teaching them to baptize, you know, teaching them, baptizing them, whatever, you know, the scripture there. But we, I noticed this in my travels. If the Lord speaks to someone and he says, I want you to start a church, I have noticed it many times. It's like we say, thank you, Lord. I was just waiting on you to tell me about that. Uh, that's what I was waiting on. I was asking you about that. Thank you for telling me. If I need any more information or on the how-to side, I'll let you know. But right now, I feel pretty ready to take on this task. Church culture informs us of what it means to build a church. You know, at a 10x power to what the, 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 <laughs> the scriptures do. Right. And that is a lot of what the results we're getting. I could say a lot more. I want to watch my tongue, but uh, I just don't think we're 
I think we got it backwards. You know, we're trying to build the church. We're not trying to make disciples. And that's what he's saying. Yeah. I'm happy to hear your thoughts on that as well. Anything come to mind? Yeah. I mean, I've certainly had, you know, my share of church attendance and have the scene has varied depending on where, mm -hmm. where we were located and I don't know, whatever trajectory we were on, you know, in my mm -hmm. early days, sure. you know, you don't know much and you're, you're just kind of looking around and you're, you're listening to, you know, what everybody's talking about and where's the best place to be and, mm -hmm. and things like that. And so, yeah, there was definitely, there was a lot of excitement to be in a certain place, to be doing a certain thing, to be involved in certain things. But there were very few people who really, you know, came and reached me on a level to where I felt like I was maturing, that I was growing. It just seemed like, it seemed like everybody had an agenda, but discipleship was not on the list. That's my answer in short. Yeah, thank you. I think you've got people, I mean, this is a gross generalization, okay, but you've got people who are following the Lord. You got people who are following the people who are following the Lord. Mm -hmm. Our relationship with Jesus should not be indirect. Mm -hmm. While we're maturing, which we're all maturing, but in the early stages for sure of our maturing, it's appropriate for us to follow someone who's following Christ. Mm -hmm. But Nietzsche said, no student ever does his master honor by remaining a student forever. I mm. think he was right in that sure. regard. Yeah. You know, the way we honor those who are our leaders is by, I'm not going to say outgrowing their leadership, but I, I'm talking about growing beyond where we are as a result of their leadership. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, somewhere maybe bef well before the end of the day, we should be learning to follow Jesus from ourselves. If you're helping me learn how to follow Christ and you get me to a point where I can predictably hear his voice and follow him, then your part of that responsibility is complete in that regard. Mm -hmm. Sadly, you know, we change relationships these days instead of growing. You know, it's awkward for someone who has been your leader to realize, hey, you know what? They don't need me to lead them in the same way that they have had me lead them. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to have to change my approach. That's extremely awkward for people. It seems like it would be pretty <laughs> self-evident, but it doesn't really, I haven't observed it to be self-evident or very tidy <laughs> at times. So I think we've got a disciple We've got a discipleship responsibility, and we also got a responsibility to let people stand on their own feet. Mm -hmm. The church environment that we're in is self-perpetuating in its current form. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a real, a very big concern. And it should be a, sounding an alarm to us. You know, Bono said, you know, religion is what you're left with when the spirit leaves the building. I think he said Yes. But, you know, a lot of people have spoken on that, but the Holy Spirit leaves the room. You know, we keep singing, we keep clapping or whatever we're doing. You know, it, it's that's a stark way to characterize it. But I think we got to be careful about ourselves as leaders and what we're producing and what we're not producing and what we're 
again, back to your first point, what we're considering important and what we're saying, look right over here, guys. Mm. This is worthy of paying attention to mm -hmm. the leader's burden, I guess you might call that. Yeah. Mm. You're going to get me in trouble here, Ken. I feel confident. You can tell him I made you do it. <laughs> That's right. Ken made me do it. <laughs> Funny thing. I flipped just a few pages over here. And so maybe it's worth reiterating. Yeah. One repays a teacher badly if one always remains a pupil. Mm. It's right there in a little segue in the book. So what else is on your list, Ken? Anything? Yeah, you said there is no maturity in our leadership capacity that exceeds our level of obedience. Ooh, told you it was a young man that was doing a lot of the talking there. <laughs> yeah, I would stand by that. Yeah. I mean, leadership itself as a concept, there's some self-contained worth in leadership uh, as it's as itself in terms of the way we approach it. I don't mm -hmm. think that's true, but I think it it's the way the subject presents itself. So the value that we're going to have is based on our example. You know, we may have some talents, you know, we may have some charisma, we may have some things to say, but at the end of the day, our leadership is going to be tested by what we produced, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, Hitler is one of the best leaders of all time in a classic sense, mm -hmm. but he led, what did he lead people to, you know? Right. Same thing in the Old Testament about a false prophet. False prophet is a guy who leads you to the wrong place. Yeah. Not that he's incorrect in his predictions. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I think that stands true. I think it was even still on that first trip that I went with you that... Yeah, we got suckered into doing a TV interview or something like that. We didn't know this was happening <laughs> kind of deal. I don't know if you're <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, they kind of suckered us into doing that. And then it that interview made it to some big name church in the region. Little did we know. And we're, we're there at a conference, a youth conference. And mm -hmm. this big church finds out who we are, where we're at, and then calls on us to come there. And you basically told them no. And the conference leader is like, well, why would you not want to do that? And your response was, well, if we go there to be with the big church, then we're not here with you guys. And so the focus was friendship. The focus was hanging out with these guys. And that would have totally derailed the purpose for while we were there. And it seemed like a in hindsight, I don't fully see in the time, but in hindsight, you know, it's kind of like the enemy's temptation to come in and steal away from what we were doing. Mm. Does that play into your quote here at all? Or yeah, I think you know, it, you see I, the enemy's working that or what? Yeah, I think maybe it could. I mean, the memory of that now is faint. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many years ago that was. It was more than 10. I think we could safely say for sure. Yeah, I think. For sure, you know, the there was something there of a what I would call a temptation, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Self-promotion is always trying to, you know, be involved. You know, anytime we are promotable, mm -hmm. we're probably most self-promotable <laughs> of wow. all our promotability, you know, or that's the way it seems. I think at that, I had committed maybe to those guys that we were going to be there doing what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And these other guys were trying to draw us off center. 
I don't remember the actual happening of it, but I think I remember it more at a distance. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, let's say, let's say at best or possibly at worst, you know, we go to the other place and we we get more spotlight, we get more attention, we get famous, but we lack obedience. Yeah. Where does that place us in the long run? Great question, man. What are we left with? Right. I mean, the tempta- all of our temptations can be observed in generality mm-hmm. in the temptation of Christ. Yeah. You know? I mean, that, it's right there. That one's right there glaring back at us, you know? Yeah. Just here, I'm going to take you up here. I'm going to give you the glory of the nations, you know? I'm, they're going to be yours. Yeah. They're mine to give. We think the devil was lying. He wasn't lying. There right. he is to give to whoever he chooses. You know, there's a small trade. <laughs> so it seems it looks like what little bit we've got to give is is not much to compare to the glory that we're going to receive you know yeah but uh there's a pay up there's going to be an accounting of that kind of thing we want to be on the right side of it for sure for sure yeah doubling back to you know we were talking about churches and programs and then an avoided avoid of discipleship do you feel like it's fits on the same field where maybe we have the programs because popularity seems to be the target these days. Maybe discipleship isn't popular or, you know, maybe the programs Mm -hmm. are what puts people in the seats and what gets your name out there. Mm -hmm. Could be, you know, discipleship's uncomfortable and it's done in my opinion in in the context of relationship. Okay. So it's going to be inconvenient and messy and, you know, stuff like that. And if you think about John six style of evangelism, you know, I mean, I think I always think about John six when I think about that, because John six is like where Jesus said, what you're going to eat my flesh and drink my blood, or you don't have any part in me. Mm. And quite nearly everyone who was following him left almost everyone. Mm -hmm. And it's not like there was this 13th guy hanging around. You know what I mean? At that moment, it was like, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, there was the 12 and then there was this entire host of other people yeah. around. So I think about it, the messy and the difficult and all that. And most of the people who are following Jesus that time left him. I think that what the scripture says. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the programmatic and, and all that, I mean, there's nothing wrong with programs in themselves, right? I mean, I think we got to be careful not to just categorize something as the problem or whatever. But if we don't relate to people on a personal and individual level and invest in them at that level in the interest of building their faith and encouraging them and helping them follow Jesus more closely, mm. then we're getting off on the wrong foot, you know? Mm-hmm. that's going to be necessary. And the way the framework is currently built, that seems predominant. That seems to be, you know, the overarching framework. You could be in a church environment a lot and for a long time and and not end up with a personal relationship with one person. Mm. You know, I'm going to, unless you get it in that third service, right between the offering and the special music. i like what you said about the friendship part i have a a friend who he will not text 
He will not use text unless the text is leading to you either talking voice to voice over the phone or to meeting in person. I wonder if we could say the same things about programs. Could we say like, they're only good if they lead you to the person, if they lead you to the friendship aspect of things. That's a deep thought. Yeah. I think there's going to be things that happen that we, that are past our knowing or our understanding or whatever. And we've got to leave room for things that we don't know or that we yeah. don't understand. Mm -hmm. But I think the things that we do know, we got to be clear about those. And the things that we do understand, we got to be clear about them. And, you know, with a mind to learn. I do mm -hmm. think for sure, if we don't have any rich and life-giving relationships with other believers, we are not going to get where we're headed in Christ, you know? Mm -hmm. Ken, I've probably got just a few more minutes, and I appreciate very much you being here and talking through this book with me. Obviously, there's I'm hoping to get this content in front of as many people who can benefit from it, you know, who the Lord sure, would sure. put it in front of. So that yeah. you're helping me do that. There may be one last thing you wanted to get to. Yeah. Is there anything that you want to unpack? I mean, I've got tons of stuff that. <laughs> you got a lot of notes well, I've there. I've got a couple more pages that I can. You know, <laughs> yeah. And doing it now, I mean, this is the first time I've done interviewed somebody off of a book. And so I would probably change it up next time. Yeah. Well, maybe we can get another chance to do it on the second book. We'll look for that opportunity. I think we're going to do that next time. In the section about leadership here, section three, I think it's on like page 127. Uh -huh. There's a quote from a guy, Henry Nowen. You may, may know him. Yes. You may have heard of him. Yeah. He said, for many individuals, professional training means power. But the minister who disrobes to wash the feet of his friends is powerless. Mm. And I think when we come to the subject of leadership, if we don't come to it, properly, it can only mean that we will be beguiled by it or we'll misinterpret all the stuff that we encounter. Mm -hmm. The more we know and the more we grow and the more talented we are and the more insightful or perceptive we are, mm -hmm. the more powerful we'll be. And I think we're getting it wrong there, right? right. I mean, the washing the feet, you know, that's the good old New Testament standard of ultimate service. And I think it's a picture. It's not like we need to go try to stop everybody on the street corner just to see if their feet are clean. You know, that's a different time, really. I've been to some foot washing sets, probably you have too, that were, that were powerful in every respect. But uh, the idea is the servant of the servant. We should use how we're being equipped, what we're learning and how we're growing and all of that in the interest of deepening our capacity to be generous with the love, nature, and character of Christ, you know, that's what's being formed in us. And we should use that as an opportunity to disrobe, if you will, you know, yeah. to leave our professional sort of sense of entitlement or positional approach to relating to other people. Yeah. Is that something that maybe is easy on the forefront, but as your audience grows or the, the people around you that you are leading 
as that number grows, does it get harder to do? I mean, do you do you need to have people come do that for you because you have more things to do? You're too busy at this point, or what does that, what does that look like? Yeah, it's a great question, man. I'm not sure I know the answer, but I do think it gets more difficult. You know, I think a, a Bickle quote comes races to mind. You know, okay. You know, I can't remember the quote right, but. The idea is like, you know, walking in humility is going to produce fruit, you know, and as your life starts producing a little bit of fruit, the depth of humility has got to go deeper Mm -hmm. because the fruit itself will inflate you. You've got something to show for your obedience and Mm -hmm. even other people are walking in the fruit of your obedience. You know, they're, they're benefiting from the fruit of your obedience or whatever. Then you've got to go deeper in humility or you will be lifted up with pride based on the results of your humility <laughs> that's kind of you know like uh, so is your own humility biting you in the butt or what's happening yeah i think it's we're always going to be confronted with that test you know we're going to have that test i mean jesus was the son of god right the heavens opened up and a voice came out and said this is my son whom i who i'm pleased with right yes he goes into the desert for 40 days he's being tempted there he was doing the right things, right? Mm-hmm. He was following the Father. He was all his life up to that point. He was being prepared for that time. We're doing the right things. We're still got, the stage is still being set. What did the Joiner quote say in the the book about the mountain? You know, on this mountain you can fall from any level. <laughs> you know, in this life we can fall from any level. Wow. You know, I think we've seen that in many examples. So, yes, Lord, help us not to fall and to go deeper in our humility and service to others. Mm. And that's what he called leadership, I think. Yes. Ken, thank you. I'm sorry we're not going to get all those notes, but I would love to have a copy of those notes. (laughs) I really would. And maybe we could throw those up on the show notes so other people could look at them and say, yeah, why didn't you answer this? Hey, we never got to it. What can I say? If you do have a straggler question, guys, that you'd like to get in front of me and Ken, please do email me. I think the email address will be featured at the end of the show here. Thanks, Ken, for being here. You bet. Really appreciate it, bro. We'll get we'll tackle book two next time on uh, Leaders Moment. Bless you, bro. Thank you. Bless you, Scott. Thanks again, Ken, for joining us here and also to you for being here. If something stuck out to you, I'd love to hear about it. Please shoot me an email at scott at fxmissions.com. Make sure you're here next time as we're going to go a little further in our journey together with Ken. Thank you for being a part of the Leaders Moment podcast. We also want to say thanks to Vision Voice, our sponsor, and encourage you to check out their website at visionvoice.us. Also, if you haven't already, please visit leadersmoment.org slash follow to have this podcast and future ones delivered to your favorite podcast app every time we publish. Thanks again.